Good afternoon and welcome to this webinar titled A Year On From COP26 and the New Net Zero Standard. Where are we now with SBTs? Presented by Susie Chalk from Carbon Intelligence. Thank you and hi all, Susie Chalk from Carbon Intelligence. I'm an Associate Director and I lead our strategy team. So science-based targets and net zero and I'm delighted to be here today to talk to you about the net zero standard. Very brief introduction to Carbon Intelligence, part of Accenture. So we're a sustainability consultancy based in central London uh, and we were formed in 2011. Predominantly to help organisations with compliance, but really the, over the last kind of five, six years really had a shift to, to strategy and we now have a very broad array of expertise across the team, including energy services or engineers, data and scope three, our strategy teams and a governance team as well. In terms of what we're going to go through today, we're going to look at the net zero standard a year on um, from COP. We're going to look at the real difference between near and long science-based targets um, with an also a look at FLAG, so forest, land and agricultural targets. What this means if you have net zero targets but are not yet aligned to the SBTI, how to communicate your ambition and when you should act with next steps. So what does the SBTI net zero standard look like a year on? Just to remind everyone, um, if, for those who are not familiar, the net zero standard was formed just before COP um, 21 by the SBTI, which is consists of CDP, the UN Global Compact and WWF. Essentially, um, organizations have to reduce their emissions in line with science to keep their global temperature increase to 1.5 degrees. And this consists of both a near-term SBT, so from five to 10 years from when you would set it, and then a long-term science-based target to be achieved by 2050 or sooner. Once both those targets have been achieved and your organization has decarbonized, the residual emissions must then be removed. So you can see this on the chart. You've got the dark purple line being your near-term SBT, the dotted pink line being your long-term SBT, and then the, the green line below the x-axis being those removals. You can also invest in um, beyond value chain mitigation or offsets outside of your value chain to preserve those carbon stocks on your net zero transition. Um, this is definitely a strong recommendation. It, it has many societal and wider benef uh, kind of benefits. However, it should not come at the detriment of investing in decarbonisation. Why was this change needed and, and why was this standard brought in? I think the, the biggest thing is there's never been a net zero standard. So this lack of consistency has made it very hard to compare targets from one organization to another. Um, we've reduced the risk of greenwashing. So the ambition for how much you have to decarbonize has gone up quite significantly. Um, and it just means that the, our key focus is decarbonization. It also recognizes that there is a limit to the amount of carbon that we can remove. The pot of, for carbon removals is definitely not as big as perhaps previously thought. Again, giving weight to, to why that um, the percentage weighting of how much you have to decarbonize has gone up. So where are we a year on? Nearly 1,500 companies have already committed to this SBTI net zero standard, and we have seen 74 companies have their targets approved, all to reduce their emissions by 90% by 2050 or sooner. So significant commitment and ambition, and really exciting shift and uptake. It's worth saying that there's probably going to be many more um, that are going to be released over the coming months. The SBTI themselves have been incredibly busy. Um, and if you were to submit a target today, it wouldn't begin validation until March 2023. So it gives you a little bit of an idea about how many targets are probably waiting to be validated. 
Um, but a year on, we've seen the uptake grow massively. It's a very exciting landscape and it seems to be the, it definitely is the best practice framework, which many companies are beginning to align with. So what's the difference between near and long-term science-based targets? What I just wanted to show on this slide on the screen right now is, is the phases you ideally would go through when setting this target. These can either happen consequently, one after the other, or they can happen simultaneously, depending on how you as an organization wants to go about it. However, phase one, you develop your near-term target and roadmap, ensuring you've got a full scope one, two, and three baseline that has captured your, your whole organization accurately um, and to the level of detail required. You then develop your long-term SBT, which would follow on from the year you would achieve or aim to achieve your near-term out to 2050 or sooner. And at the same time, you would create your removals or offsetting strategy. Once you've done this, you'd be in a position to submit to the SBTI. However, it is worth noting that to submit, you do only need your near and long-term SBT. The SBTI are not currently looking at your offsetting strategy. So what are near-term science-based targets? They, all targets have to be five to 10 years from the year you set that target. So today we're in 2022, which submit your target, the latest it can be achieved by is 2032. Your scope one and two targets have to be aligned to 1.5 degrees, whereas your scope three can be 1.5 or well below two degrees. To put that in percentages, a 1.5 degree target is a 4.2% reduction year on year, whereas a well below two degrees is a 2.5% reduction year on year. Um, this follows the absolute contraction approach. There are some uh, sector methodologies that you can follow with different intensity metrics as well. But essentially, the ambition level for near term has been upped. Previously, you could do well below two degrees on your scope one and two, but really starting to see this big shift towards the focus being decarbonisation. On the other side, then we have long term science based targets, where for your scope one, two and three emissions, they have to be aligned to that 1.5 degree scenario. Likewise, whereas for near term, you can include 95% of your scope one and two, and if scope three makes up 40% of your emissions, you have to include at least 67% of your scope three. For long term, that boundary goes up to 90%. So really you're looking at capturing every part of your business and decarbonizing it by 90% by 2050 or sooner. I'll just pause here to also acknowledge that companies with forestry, land and agricultural emissions, which you'll hear we refer to as FLAG, um, there is new guidance that has been released, meaning that you have to have a FLAG science-based target to cover those land-based emissions. This is a new area. There's a lot of people asking about it, a lot of people unsure what it means, um, but the guidance is being brought out both by the Greenhouse Gas Protocol about how you actually calculate those emissions, but also by the SBTI, as in how you then go set about targets to decarbonize. So why is the flag methodology being introduced? Just to, to really kind of hammer home the, the size of the area. So 25% of global emissions come from agriculture, forestry, and other land use. And until now, um, given that it's very complicated, it needs careful consideration, and you know, a lot of um, scientific knowledge has been spent in this area. It's, it's only really appropriate now that we're starting to build, build this into your framework. Um, having said that, agricultural production is expected to double by 2050. 
Um, we have a growing population. Demand for food um, and essential services is growing. So actually the weight of this sector is going to become even more important. So what's it mean? Um, when you have to, when you set your science-based target, you have to recalculate and revalidate your targets if you've already got them and basically ensure you're aligning with the latest science. So who's required to set flag targets is probably a key question which you're all thinking and, and wanting to ask. Um, so it's those in sectors defined by the SBTI, so forest and paper products, food production, including agricultural production and animal source, food and beverages processing, food and staples retailing and tobacco. However, if your company has flag emissions, totally more than 20% of your overall scope one, two and three emissions, you're also going to have to set a flag target. So it's worth starting to understand how you classify what sector you're in, um, perhaps looking at both the CDP and SBTI's uh, sector guidance. Just want to touch base briefly on what the timelines are. So if you have not yet set targets, then you have until from April 2023 onwards where flag is required. So essentially, if you're going to set targets pre-April 2023, you can set non-flag to begin with. However, um, post then you're going to have to include flag. On the other hand, if you already have a validated target, you're going to have until the end of December 2024 where you're going to be needing them. That's if your near-term SBT was validated prior to 2020. If your near-term was validated after, then you must set a flag by the end of 2024. So I realise this is a lot of information, lots of different dates, and probably need to map yourself about where your organisation is. Um, so as we said, we will share these slides after today. And, and of course, any questions, please do let me know. So what does this mean for existing net zero targets? And how do you go about communicating this change? I think this is a really key question, um, simply because we're not trying to uh, penalise essentially any companies that have gone first. It's the recognition that science has developed, your target's going to have to develop to, to align with that and actually change is, is really part of, of our landscape. So what we've got on the screen is three examples. We've got one company who has a 2030 net zero goal but no science-based targets. Another company with a, a science-based target approved near-term target and no net zero goal. And then the third company, which has an approved near-term target and a 2030 net zero goal. So what does this mean for you? If you, if you as an organization have that 2030 net zero goal, but no science-based target, the, the recommended approach would be to develop both a near-term and long-term SBT as soon as possible. The Science-Based Target Initiative's Net Zero Standard is the world's global first, it is best practice, and it is the one which we've seen gather the quickest speed in terms of uptake. So it will be most credible to make sure that within your Net Zero goal, you have that real focus on decarbonisation. So you'd start by setting both your near-term and long-term science-based target. If you already have an approved near-term target, but no Net Zero goal, the advice would be to, to look at what a long-term target would mean for you and whether net zero is, a, is right for the business and then to go about setting a long-term approved SBT. Equally, if you have an approved near-term target and a net zero goal, so it's similar to the first one, but you've already done the near-term, it would be to set that long-term decarbonisation target. So pre-COP26, when this standard was released, we net zero typically was around a 50% reduction 
and you'd offset the rest. However, we've seen that real shift from up to a 90% reduction uh, or decarbonisation target before you offset. So the main message from here is look at what targets or ambitions your organisation is signed up to and where possible do align with the SBTI net zero standard. What this means though, so decarbonisation is the absolute priority, so continue working towards your near-term SBT. Whilst we know the technology and innovation that is currently out in the market currently, it's best to implement as much change as you can and really focus on that deep decarbonisation in the, in the short term. However, you should also look at setting that long-term target. Obviously, it will be 2030 or later, or in the majority of cases, 2030 or later. Um, and it means that once you've got to, you've achieved that 90% reduction target and you've offset, only then can you say that you are net zero. In terms of the comm side, so if your timeline for achieving your long-term SBT aligns with your current net zero target, no change in communications is needed. However, we would always recommend that you um, communicate that you have aligned with the best practice standard. If the timeline for achieving your long-term target is after your current net zero target, just change your language and position your earlier goals. For example, 2030 is carbon neutral. When we set targets, especially in sustainability and uh, landscape, change is always happening. And it's quite natural that um, the goalposts or the ambition levels need to change to keep up with the latest science. So though this can cause some nervousness, in organizations I actually think it's a very strong message to say we've looked at our target we've taken the guidance from this new framework that's come out that's very much credible and, and tried and tested and we're just aligning our target to align with it and then if you want your target um, your net zero commitment or target validated it's both near and long um, and we'd recommend you get that um, submitted to the SBTI in terms of how long it takes when you submit uh, at the moment, as I said, there's about a six-month lead time for your target to be validated, and it's 30 working days from when the T's and C's are signed for your near-term target, and up to 60 working days for your long-term target. So that just gives you a bit of an indication about how you would manage your expectations internally within your organisation. Having said that, there's absolutely no reason why you can't set these targets and communicate them. It just needs to be very careful in the language. For example, we have submitted these to the SBTI rather than we have a validated net zero target um, because the SBTI will, you know, they will look at that and they will pull you up on it um, if they've not yet looked at your targets in your organisation. In terms of communicating then, we've got a, a few examples of poor communication and a few examples of good communication. So saying something such as the SBTI has approved our net zero strategy, uh, like I just said, if you've not got a near and long term, that's not going to be the case. So rather you would say, for example, on the good communication side, we have a near term SBT and we're working towards our net zero strategy. So you can just really start to see the softening of the language and the, the key distinguishing points between if you have two targets validated, then you're in a good position to say externally it's validated. If you haven't, just be really clear between a near and long-term target or whether you've just got a net zero target with no science-based targets within it. And then you'll see a few snippets at the bottom about how you talk about this. Science is always evolving, therefore what we do always changes. And for those of you who work in the sustainability landscape, 
I think we're all used to change. It definitely happens or feels like it happens a lot. Um, we need to ensure our ambition matches and adapts to what science is showing us to limit to 1.5 degrees. So some very good uh, articles online that talk about all our current policy commitments and, and targets and the fact that we're still quite a way off where we want to be to be able to achieve that 1.5 degrees. So always recommend having a read of those and, and really getting yourself comfortable with why this ambition has gone up. And then the bottom point, focusing on reducing our emissions first and foremost um, and updating our target to align with the science-based target initiative. A really good example is Mars that we've included here. Um, the case study is, is on this hyperlink, so you'll see it when we send around the slides. But the, the way they've shifted their comms to align with this is, is really helpful and might give you some greater confidence about how to tackle it. I always think it's worth talking about the implications of not setting a target. We focus a lot today on, on what net zero is and, and what the SBTI net zero standard is. However, I do appreciate that that 90% reduction is, is very ambitious um, and it will cause a lot of nervousness within a business to the extent that some, some businesses might not want to go ahead and set it. However, there's three areas that I would then use to really kind of put forward your, your argument for why we should. The credibility side. So a net zero target is a lot more credible than just committing to carbon neutrality. It means that you're really committing to that deep decarbonisation of 90% by 2050 or sooner, and you're reducing your reliance on offsets. The reputational side. So look at what your peers are doing, look at what your suppliers, your customers are doing, for example, um, and really use that to help leverage why you should be looking at it. Likewise, by you going and setting your expectations and your vision, you're going to be able to really encourage and motivate your suppliers and your clients to come along with you um, and act alongside you on that journey. Collaboration is absolutely key when we look at net zero. And then the cost of carbon. So the less we decarbonize, the more emissions you'd have to, to offset. And we know that the cost of offsetting is going up considerably. It's also an annual cost. So whilst one-off uh, CapEx investment in decarbonisation might seem large, especially in the current climate, you know that you're going to have a greater return on investment, whether, whereas for offsetting, it's an annual payment. Um, offsetting is also the external market. We have very limited control over it. It is moving a lot at the moment, with the guidance changing almost daily. Um, and actually, decarbonisation should always be our focus. This table here just summarizes the credibility. So you can see at the top, the, the most credible within the market is that validated net zero um, target with both near and long term. And we can actually get that approved by the SBTI. So it's another stamp of approval down to the very bottom, which is no climate mitigation target. So um, there's probably many people on the call that are all stages of this table, but it's just worth considering uh, what's right for your business and I'd always say how can you get to the, the next level in terms of um, your ambition and the credibility. So when to act and next kind of next steps before we move to the Q&A. So really I would always recommend assessing the benefits of aligning to the net zero standard. What does it mean for your business and what benefits is it going to give? Is it going to enable greater collaboration with your suppliers, with your clients? Is it going to enable you to perhaps win more work or expand your client base. Once you understand why this is the right next step for you, consider how to apply it to your organisation. Understand how you capture your business in terms of your scope one, two and three 
emissions and really understand what both the near-term and long-term target actually look for you in terms of the figures, the initiatives you're going to have to implement to decarbonize, um, and when and where you think that's going to be able to happen. Once you've done this then, it would be around building your business case, really engaging your leadership and, and look for a champion at board level. So targets can only be achieved if, if everyone across an organization works together. We all have a role to play and it's, it's really about translating that target to different roles. So people understand at all different areas of business the, the role they can play, be it small or large, um, to really help us on our journey. And then the last point is implement your strategy. So um, a lot of work is often spent on capturing your business in terms of your emissions and then modeling your targets. Whereas actually, I think the real hard work starts in the implementation. So don't delay, look at the standard now, understand what it means for you. And then essentially start, start working and start initiating change to, to really implement uh, your net zero strategy. So that's a whistle-stop tour of the Net Zero Standard a year on from when it was launched. And I'm just going to have a look at some questions. Um, so I can see a few people have asked about the different methodologies. So it's a really good, really good question. Um, there are sector methodologies available. Um, at the moment, for near term, they are on the website, which we, again, I can add to this, these slides before they're circulated. Um, they are working on one. So for example, the building methodology is not going to be released till next year. However, the cement methodology has just come out and the flag, so forest and agricultural um, emissions methodology is it's just been launched with a really insightful webinar from the SBTI last week. So on the, the sector page of the SBTI website, there is a lot more information about this, both in terms of what the sector methodologies are and whether you would qualify. Alternatively, there's the absolute contraction approach, which is uh, perhaps a little bit easier to, to understand, but again, doesn't necessarily take into account the different sector variabilities in terms of reductions. I think the, the next question is around the process for SMEs, which is a really good question. For the, for the sake of the SBTI, an SME is considered to be 500 employees or less and an owned subsidiary. And essentially what they've done is a streamlined process where for your near term, you have to pick one of your predetermined pre targets, um, depending on when your base year is, out to 2030, um, and you only have to commit to measure and report your scope three. You don't have to set a scope three target. However, for your long-term SBT, uh, your target would cover scopes one, two, and three, again, using a predetermined route. The benefit of this, it makes it a lot quicker and easier for um, SMEs to set targets, um, and it is slightly cheaper. So I think it's around 1,000 US dollars, whereas um, for a near and long term, you're looking at more like 12 to 13,000 dollars, although don't quote me, uh, the costs are on the website. Um, I think another question was around how long validation takes. So I think we touched on this earlier. Um, if you were to submit today, you'd have until, have to wait until at least March 2023 to get a validation slot. Um, and actually it does can take once you've passed your initial screening and signed your T's and C's can take up to 30 working days to your near term and up to 60 working days to your long term. Throughout this process, the SBTI will be looking at how you've captured your organization um, in terms of your baseline, your scopes one and two and three emissions. They'll be making sure that you have aligned with all the guidance um, that 
they share to make sure it's credible um, and they probably will be coming back to you with a number of questions and points to validate um, and kind of respond to. Um, typically you have up to two working days to go back to these questions. That is more to, to ensure that we stay on the, the time track of kind of 30 working days and 60 working days. Um, obviously sometimes it does change if, um, if an organization takes longer to get back or finds that they need to um, make some significant changes within their baseline. I think the, que the next question was around change in renewables, uh, electricity of 80% by 2025 and 100% by 2030. So I imagine this is to do with availability. Can't see the full question. Um, it's a really good point. Renewables is obviously, we're very dependent on the different countries, the di different inter uh, country variabilities. Um, there is a very much a renewable energy hierarchy. So right now the SBTI does enable um, REGOs, so renewable energy back certificates. However, we would always recommend sourcing directly from the supplier if possible, even generating your on-site renewables if you can. So it's really up to, to the organisation to look at what um, they think is feasible. So looking at where you currently operate, what countries, within those countries, how much renewable energy is available or easily accessible, what the cost is as well, um, and really understanding if you can um, move to it. Within SBTs, you can set a renewable electricity target, should you want, as an additional one. Um, however, a lot of people will just include it within their roadmap, so it's really up to you. Um, fantastic, so I think the last question I can see is around do we think there's going to be more changes to the, the net zero standard? Um, how do we see it evolving moving forwards? Um, I think it's a very good question. The SBTI is, is continuously looking at the science. You know, over a year ago, this net zero standard wasn't a thing. Um, and now it is. And we've seen the uptake be really quite significant. So I would say that we should never expect it to stand still or be static and always expect that um, be it the SBTI or other frameworks out there, we'll be continuously looking at what the sector is doing, how as a planet are we achieving what we need to achieve to reach net zero, um, or do we need to be going quicker and faster? So we saw scope one and two a year ago, you could be a 1.5 or well below two degrees. That's now longer not an option. Um, and I would expect updates like that to happen every so often. Um, it's very hard to know when or what, um, but you could, if organisations are asking, you can look at things like the flag targets have come out, there's new sector methodologies coming out, um, and actually there's always kind of more information to make it as helpful and as useful to organisations within certain sectors. What that means for you then, so when you submit your SBT, um, you commit to reviewing and updating your target at least every five years to ensure it aligns with the latest science. Um, so that means keeping an eye on, on the agenda, understanding if, if ambition levels have to increase or perhaps um, the, a sector methodology has come out that you think is going to be more suitable for your business. So adapting your target to align with that. And you're basically committing to keeping it live um, and as credible as possible. At the same time to that then, some organisations undergo considerable change. So for example, they might acquire another business. Or what lots of growth will obviously come from that. And obviously your absolute decarbonisation strategy would change. What that just means is you would go back and update your baseline. 
So we call that a refresh, a target refresh. It's very common. Um, and you basically backcast the impact of that acquisition into your baseline so that your start and end point are a bit more reflective um, of the growth that you're going through. Um, obviously, you need to look at inorganic growth versus organic growth, um, but it's really important that you keep your targets and your baselines relevant and up to date as change.